Welcome to another edition of uh, Campus Life. Can we call it another edition of Campus Life? I am so thrown part off already two. on our intro here. Yeah, part part duh. Um, <laughs> or whatever. Part duh. Dusting off my, my French there. Um, I never actually took French. Um, if you listen to our last episode, though, guys, you know, we we wanted to, we wanted to talk so much that we're breaking this into two, basically. So we cut that one off here. Uh, we were talking about just where where we are on a bunch of guys right now as we hit the midpoint way kind of of the offseason here. Um, majority of the last episode, we talked about big freshman movers. We covered 10 names, maybe a little more than that. I mean, and obviously brought some other guys into the fray just because of situations and things. Uh, we talked well, Oklahoma wide receivers. We talked basically all USC offense, uh, Oregon wide receivers, LSU backfield, um, Caleb Williams and the progression and the, the plan there for him. Uh, Arkansas backfield, Georgia uh, wide uh, quarterbacks, uh, Ohio State wide receiver room, North Carolina running back room, and then the FSU receivers. So we talked, and of course, everyone's favorite linebacker, Shadrach Banks. Yes, we covered a lot in that episode. So, so we have uh, uh, a couple smaller topics. You know, we didn't we didn't quite hit these ones as hard as we went on on those. Uh, we have transfers that have shaped our rankings the most here this offseason thus far. We have camp battles that have shifted our rankings and then just a small segment where we probably won't break the guys down a ton, but just at current ADP players that are some of our favorite buys right now. Um, so, th- so that's kind of your roadmap here for this episode. Uh, no news segment or anything. We're just going to jump in cold, but not really because <laughs> we're filming. This. We're doing this after the other one. We took a break. I had a piece of pizza and now we're back. So uh, I had to fuel up. Um, so Colin, I'll kick this to you with the transfers that have shaped our rankings the most. We have, it looks like five categories here. Um, your first one here, you have everyone and their brother leaving the Washington wide receiver. Uh, it's funny because one guy left and his brother also left a different place and they went to play together. Um, but that's also just the phrase there too, but yeah, no, everybody is just leaving Washington's wide receiver room. They have an astounding six wide receivers who transferred out. Um, All of them three stars or higher. So all fairly relevant guys. They're all NFL size, all six foot or bigger. Um, So first one mentioned Puka Nakua. Uh, He transferred out. He was a four star guy. Um, Never really did much at Washington. Uh, he transfers out. He transfers to BYU along with his brother who transferred from Utah to BYU. Um, Jalen Polk uh, is the next guy. He transferred uh, from, he transferred Texas Tech to Washington. Um, and there's rumblings that maybe he'll transfer again. I'm not entirely sure because um, he was linked to Houston. Um, Ty Jones. Uh, transferred from Washington to Fresno. Uh, Marquis Spiker, who we talked about on the last episode, um, transferred from Washington to Nevada. Uh, Austin Osborne and Jordan Chin, um, four-star Osborne, three-star Chin, um, transferred from Washington. They don't have anywhere that they're linked to yet. Um, But there are six guys who transfers out. That leaves that room pretty thin. Um, it leaves a lot of opportunity for my boy, Jalen McMillan, uh, leaves a lot of opportunity for the other guy that I like there a lot. Um, Roma Dunaze, 
Uh, and then Jabaz, Jabez Tanay, uh, incoming freshman, um, leaving some work for him there as well. So, yeah, this is, I was already pretty high on McMillan, but everybody transferring out has brought um, McMillan. It's solidified my thoughts on McMillan, and it's brought up Adonaze and Jabaz Tanay. Yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, at this point, I don't think there's anybody there that I'm interested in outside of, of McMillan and Adunze. And did we put McMillan down here? I'm trying to look as a guy that we wanted to talk about later as a buy or anything. Um, I didn't. No. Um, I'm walking out of all my drafts with him. He goes in like the seventh round, you know, uh, from what I'm seeing. And that's, I'm not, I'm not sure that he leads the offense in receiving, though, this year. I, I think it's Kate Otten. Do you agree mm-hmm. with that? Like, is that? Is that the guy you think re- leads that whole group? I think yards-wise, it'll probably be McMillan just because Kate Otten's a tight end. They don't typically lead their team in yards, but I think Kate Otten will have more receptions, yes, and probably touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, and it's like it's it's a conservative passing attack. Right. So, you know, that, that um really, really do. Otten, but yeah yeah no i think that's definitely fair like i said i i think it's hard for a tight end to lead their team in receiving yards just because they don't really get much yak at all or or too many deep targets um so I, I do think that there's a good chance that mcmillan leads in yards but like you said it is a conservative offense and with everything it's sounding like dylan morris is leading that room um uh, the qb room now sam heward uh, we, we talked a little bit on the last show about how we don't understand how people can transfer or people uh, kids can graduate high school early. I have no idea what Sam Hewer did. There's no way that he is ta- like going to finish up enough of a course load to like actually have this count as a semester, right? No, like, there, there's, there's no, no way with like uh, without like there should be an NCAA investigation into Washington if he somehow walks out of this semester with a full load of credits because he played the entire high school football season and then left. And went to and then played in the spring game. I he was in high school till March. Yeah, I, I don't I don't understand that at all. And you can't like he, there's no way that he could have been taking classes there when he was still in high school, right? I I don't know how like that enough, works. like enough to qualify as like yeah. another semester. Yeah, like I, I know you can take class, like college classes when you're in high school, or whatever. But like to but qualify that many, as a yeah. student there to play on the football, I, I I I honestly don't know how that works. Big question mark on that one. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm calling my lawyers. Um, Aren't you a lawyer? Yeah, but I I don't represent myself. You know, it's that's fair. That's fair. Um. So yeah. So I, I yeah. That's that that whole situation was weird. But yes. Yeah, so so you've bumped. McMillan and Ndunze up how much um, you had to say? Well, like I said, I was already the highest on McMillan by like a pretty sizable margin. Uh, I think I have him as my wide receiver. I have him as my wide receiver 12, um, which is, again, more. you're the next closest at wide receiver 23. Um, now we do have another update coming out, so maybe some other people catch up. Felix is dragging him down at wide receiver 53. Uh, but so it was it was hard for me to get too much higher on McMillan. So that pretty much just solidified my thoughts on him. Um, 
but um Adonize has definitely climbed up my rankings as well um i am again the highest on him uh, i have him as wide receiver 75 um just ahead of brian thomas jr uh, and just behind malik mclean so hmm. um yeah i'm i'm again pretty high on on Adonize as well so I've already bumped him up. He's probably jumped 20, 25 spots for me if I had to put a guess on it. Interesting. Um, so I, I, my first guy, I, I, oh, I guess I, I did. I put more than you did again. Whatever. Um, so I put, I put Mookie Cooper, which actually kind of ties into my next one here. So um, talk about I them guess, both. Yeah, we can talk about them both here in one shot. Um, so I'm going to talk about Mookie Cooper on his own first because I think he deserves as much. Um, a guy that was talented in last year's class but just was never going to play at Ohio State with everybody else that was there. And unlike a lot of these kids, he was at least self-aware enough. You know, No matter what you think of yourself, you at least have to be self-aware enough to look around and say, you know, this is not going to work out. They brought me in with Julian Fleming and Jackson Smith and Jigba and uh, G. Scott. And I'm not going to start over any of those guys. Plus, Chris Olave came back. Plus, we still have Garrett Wilson. Plus, if you look at the next class, uh, they're bringing in Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka and, and, and uh, Jaden Ballard. Plus, if you look at the year after that, they have Caleb Burton. At some point... I commend these kids for being realistic, saying this situation is not for me getting out of Dodge. He did that. He went to Missouri back home. You know, he's from St. Louis area. It's considered kind of a coup for him to go back there. And it's by all accounts, they want him to be the focal point of the offense, whether it's receiving, whether it's, you know, a ton of uh, different rushing production. I think they're going to use him very similarly, similarly to how Colorado used uh, LaVisca Chenault. Not saying Cooper is Chenault because there's some size differences there and things, but I think that's that's how they're kind of envisioning based on how they're describing this and, and the clips we saw from spring, how they want to use him. And that's a player that's worth a lot. And I think if they use him that way, I, I think he gets drafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at, at And if he's productive there, at worst, you know, round four. So he's been just rocket ship emoji. He might be... if. Uh, I don't know, because I had some guys that weren't ranked at all. But if you just take the guys that I had base ranked coming into the offseason when we first launched the site and everything, he has to be up there with with the highest risers for me. Um, and I, I, it sucks because the last couple of drafts, like I did this, did, this, did this draft with Felix, and there was no way because Felix loves Mookie Cooper. Like, there, <laughs> there was, he has him like wide receiver 25 or something. There was, there was no way I was going to get Spot Cooper. on. And Matt has him as wide receiver 22, I believe. And yep. like that's just like his Buckeye homerism. Uh, right through, but like i like he already had him high he probably dropped for for matt <laughs> after he left matt had him top 10 um no i i don't think he did but so i mean but but i really really like him and i just think you know the sky is really going to be the limit and he has at least two years left of college you know he, he, before he can go pro so you're going to get a couple years production out of him yeah he's a guy that i'm a big fan of as well um i have him as my wide receiver 41 um you know, and he's going to rise. Um, I'll tell you that he's going to rise a couple spots for sure. Um, uh, just looking at it, he'll probably rise about four or five spots in the next rankings update. 
Um, so he'll he'll get up to to 40, 39 ish, which I feel good about him there. Um, you know, but I have uh, you know I've, I've been in a situation where somebody felt better about him than I did, so I have not gotten him. But it's not for you know lack of interest. You know, I like you said, it's looking like they're going to use him all over in a variety of ways, and I think that's really going to help his stock, uh, particularly in the NFL. So I think he's going to be the big producer there for a Missouri passing offense. Um, that is, you know, they have a decent quarterback there in Basilac, you know, came out for last year as a freshman looking pretty decent. And even if, you know, Basilac loses that job, it's to Tyler Macon probably, who also is a guy that I do like. Um, so either way, uh, I'm interested in the quarterback situation there. And I think that that helps him. Um, he'll have competent quarterback play for sure. And then tying into that, you know, I put every, everyone leaving Ohio state bumps, that helps helps the guys that remain there. You know, as we were just talking a little bit, Cooper's gone. Uh G Scott is now a tight end, supposedly, and Jamison Williams left uh, to Alabama. And so this this vaunted Ohio State receiving room is still very strong. You know, I don't don't take them away because these are, you know, the guys that probably weren't really gonna play anyway, you know, kind of getting sifted out. But you know, like we just said, you still have Garrett Wilson, you still have Chris Olave, you still have JSN. That's probably your first, your your first three there. And then after that, you're rotating through Julian Fleming. We'll see what he looks like uh, battling the shoulder injury here. Um, and, and Buka. At what point should I go back to start the whole thing over? Yeah, one four. Call it one forty nine on the dot. I'll listen to it and chop it. Um, okay. So yeah, we can go back there. Okay, I can start that rant again. Um, You're good. Okay, cool. So if you if you think of all these wide receivers that were at Ohio State, you know, and and we've lost a couple of them. You know, we uh, Jameson Williams gone to Alabama. Mookie Cooper. We were just talking about G. Scott, tight end now. So that's three names th- that are no longer in that room. You know, they're not the strongest names, but they were three names that were there that were uh, fighting for touches that are now gone. You still have a lot of talent there. We still have Garrett Wilson. We still have Chris Olave. We have JSN. That's your starting three for this year. I don't think there's you're going to get much argument or pushback from anybody on that. And then even after that, your second line is still pretty strong with Marvin Harrison, Agbuka, and Fleming. But now it just you know it's that much easier for a guy like Marvin Harrison or Agbuka who who we said you know they have to wait at least a year, maybe two. We don't have to worry about that anymore. You know they're they're going to play this year, and then they're probably going to start the year after. So I think. It just adds a lot more clarity to a situation, which is nice because college football does not always provide us with that. Right. And we, we got kind of fortunate there with that. I mean, it could have easily gone into a situation that uh, like we're going to talk about in a little bit where we just don't know who's going to emerge out of the guys there. And like you said, you know, this was one of the rare times where we actually get a little bit of clarity. So that was definitely nice there to see. And then, like you said, that has, uh, you know, those transfers out have, like you said, you bump the guys that are there. You know, we feel good about projecting Harrison. We feel good about projecting Agbuka. They're going to be bringing in another crop of guys next year, um, which you know, that's, it's pretty much just the norm now for Ohio state. They bring in three top 15 wide receivers every year. So we may be having this conversation again at this time next year, who knows Um, where somebody like Jalen Ballard transfers out, you know, because he's just going to get jumped and recruited over. So 
you know, it'll be interesting to monitor how many guys they bring in that then transfer out after a year after they get recruited over and whether that impacts their ability to bring in three top 15 wide receivers repeatedly. I have a hard time ever seeing Ballard playing there. Yeah. Any, anything significant. Yeah, right. I and really that's not really a, do. it's not a knock on Ballard. I mean, you look know. at Cooper. Cooper was never going to play there. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking about him as a top 50 guy to get it, you know, a guy that's going to do a lot of stuff. And yep. Ballard's that, that level of player. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, that, that's a very realistic possibility where next year we're talking about Ballard in a similar way as Cooper potentially. Yeah. Talk to us about Charbs here. Um, yeah. So my next guy is, uh, Zach Charbonnet, um, Michigan running back. Uh, he was a very highly thought of recruit. Um, he was four-star guy, number four running back in that class, um, coming out of California, goes to Michigan, um, has a, a pretty good freshman year there. I mean, everybody was on his bandwagon coming in as, as a recruit like that would think he would they would be um he goes rushes for 700 yards and 11 touchdowns his freshman year um he has eight catches so you know not bad um and then last year just did not get the touches um he only played in five games but he only had 19 carries Uh, he did have 124 yards so decent you know uh, average yards per carry there 6.5 uh, he caught six passes, so averaged a little over a, one catch per game. But he was just pretty underutilized there at Michigan this year, and I'm not really sure why. I really haven't seen anything as to why that shook out that way. Uh, I know he, you know, had he was banged up a little bit here and there, um, but he didn't really miss any time because I think Michigan only played five games in general, or maybe six. Um, but now he gets to go to UCLA and. UCLA is an offense where, you know, say what you want about the pro prospects of the guys that they just put in the NFL. Um, you know, everybody was on Joshua Kelly. Uh, didn't really, you know, it's not really looking like he's going to pan out um, like the sleeper that everybody thought he might be last year. Um, and then Demetric Felton this year moving to wide receiver. So obviously he's not going to be running back at the next level, or if he is, it's going to be like a gadgety hybrid type of a role. But those guys were productive in college. They put up big numbers. It's Chip Kelly's offense. If there's one thing Chip Kelly can do, it's produce high-end running back numbers for fantasy. And Enter Charb, who is the most talented running back Chip Kelly has used since LaShawn McCoy. So I'm not saying Charb is LaShawn McCoy. Very different players. But he's a very talented running back. He's a size-speed guy. He's a very talented player. And, you know, I think that he's going to put up a lot of numbers here in this in this offense this year. Now, you know, transferring in, he hasn't gotten a ton of work in the spring from what I've been seeing. Um, Britton Brown has been playing as the RB1 there, who is also a guy who's flying way under the radar. Because in the event that Charbs last year in Michigan isn't quite, you know, is more what we see moving forward. And Britton Brown gets that work you know, Britton Brown's going to be a steal because like I said, you, you want Chip Kelly running backs for fantasy. So I still believe in Charbs. I still think he's going to have some, you know, I still think he's a talented running back. I still think he's going to have a really nice year this year. And I honestly think he sticks around for two years there. 
I think he needs to stick around an extra year to rehab his stock. I think he'll have a very good year this year, but I don't think it's going to be great. I don't think it's going to be the type of year where, you know, he fully rehabs his stock and now all of a sudden he's an early day two running back, you know, like people were talking about potentially as a freshman. And so I think if he's smart, he sticks around for two years there, sticks around for four full years in college and then goes pro. I think by that time he'll have rehabbed his stock, but that'll give you two really good years of college production, even if he never is the NFL running back that we thought he might be after his freshman year. I think, um, you know, leaving early declare and early breakout matters so much less for running backs than it does for yeah. receivers. So I don't have any problem with him staying there a couple years, and I think he needs to do it, unless he just comes out this year just gangbusters and rushes for like 1,500 yards and, you know, 18 touchdowns or something. I think... I think he has to stay two years if he wants to make it in the NFL. Um, so we'll see if that ends up happening or not. But um, any final words on Mr. Charbonnet? No, no, he's a guy that I'm, I'm definitely targeting there. Um, I think he's going – it's hard in drafts because he does have that name value. But if you're in sharper drafts, it kind of swings the other way where he becomes a value. It's one of those rare players that I think is more valuable the sharper the people in the draft are. Good, good Debbie times. Minds. Good times. Yeah, you love that. Um, the last guy that I put down here, and and first off, I, I want to say that I, I wrote an article recently where I, I basically talked about some guys that I'm I'm hesitant to draft, and that uh, my opinion hasn't changed on this guy since then, but I think he's basically free. And so, you know, as a last couple-round guy, um, I, I think it's – it's it's warranted and that's grant calcaterra tight end um oklahoma and retired um last year he's had too many concussions which is the scary part you know a guy retires because of concussion and comes back we, we don't want austin collie right we don't want austin collie that's terrifying worst case scenario and that's what you hope we don't see here um but you know he said that he's going to um he said he was going to Auburn and then changed his mind, I guess, with the whole coaching change there and ended up at SMU. Replacing Kylan Granson, we know that offense can support a, a high-powered tight end. They are going through a shift a little bit in, in personnel there. Uh, you know, We don't know if it's going to be Tanner Mordecai or Preston Stone, but I think either guy is going to get him the ball. I think for CFF purposes, he's going to do pretty well this year. You know, I think the floor is low. Because if he goes out the first game and gets knocked the fuck out, he's done. But, you know, if, if he can avoid – nothing he can do here, but if he can avoid a head injury, he's going to score pretty well. And then I think he gets drafted, although NFL teams are going to have some serious concerns. And he's one of those guys where if he makes it past, like, the fifth round, you're like, okay, like, that's disqualifying because the NFL teams think his brain is mush. Um, so – I but but like you know, as thirty fifth or fortieth round guy, yeah, I, I'll buy him. Yeah, I mean that's where I would buy him as well. Um, but he does have that name value, and S SMU is a G five team, but they're a G five team that's at least on people's radar. So I think that combination, you're going to start to see him go a little bit earlier than than what I would feel comfortable getting him. 
Um, for example, in the program league, he's already gone and it's round 21 in the program mm. startup here. Okay. Um, you know, so I was, I was surprised that he went as early as he did. Um, you know, I'll, I'll have to, to take a look and see exactly where it was that he went. But yeah, I'm with you if I can get him at that value. If I can't, then I don't feel bad about missing out on him because like you said, there's that concussion issue and it's just, it's, it's tough to bet on a guy like that recovering completely. Um, no, it, it, it's truly, truly scary. And I will say I'm in a draft right now that's in the 31st round and he hasn't gone yet. Oof. Um, maybe I missed, maybe I missed it. Maybe he didn't go. I thought I saw him go and maybe he didn't. Um, because I'm scrolling up here and I'm in the, I'm in the 12th round and I don't think he would have gone that early. Um, Baylor cup went in the 12th round. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Why don't you just control F it? And if he shows I'm, up more than I'm, once on the sheet. Cause I'm on my phone. I have everything. I have, I have no words. Move on. Okay. We're done with you. <laughs> All right. So um, camp battles that have shifted our rankings here a little bit. And this is a um, we, we just have a few of them here. I think we've we've gone into some more depth about these over the past couple of months. So we're, we're just going to touch on these four um, three quarterback battles and then a, a crowded wide receiver group here that we're still not really sure what to do with. Colin, how are you feeling about Texas quarterbacks? So I am pretty staunchly in the um, Hudson card camp, as everybody knows. So. I think it's pretty obvious where I stand on that. And I ha I have not changed my opinion on Hudson Card. I think he's very talented. I think he has an extremely high ceiling. Now, that being said, I am still, you know, I said it on Twitter the other day, you know, strong takes loosely held. As you get more information, you need to take that information in and process it and have it affect things accordingly. You know, provided that they're they're facts, and the facts are, Casey Thompson worked as the first team quarterback in that spring game. Uh, you know, so Hudson Card got some time as well. They split it up. They've been splitting it up all practice, but Casey Thompson was first up. So, you know, that's moved Hudson Card down a little bit for my. Um, he was my QB six, I believe. And like you said, we need to do a better job of tracking where they were mm -hmm. and where they are now. Um, he was my QB six, I believe, or I think he was my QB seven because uh, I'm seeing CJ Stroud as my QB six. I think I left CJ Stroud ahead of him. Um, Hudson card is now my QB 10. So he has dropped a couple spots, but I could, I will likely drop him another couple spots here. And it's not because I don't, like I said, it's not because I don't believe in him. I, I do believe in him as a talent for sure, but it's less, I'm less certain that he's going to win that job. You know, I've been talking all off season on this show about how I thought that Sark, you know, went to Texas. He wanted a quarterback that he could work with. And I just didn't see him going to Texas with Casey Thompson in mind being that guy. I thought it was going to be Hudson card. Now I will say, I do think if Sark had just come out and had Hudson card working first ahead of Casey Thompson, 
I think there's a lot higher of a chance that Casey Thompson would have transferred out. And the quarterback room behind those two is abysmal. There's nobody there. So they can't really afford to have them transfer out, especially if Hudson Card, you know, takes a little bit of time to develop and has some growing pains because he was a wide receiver until his sophomore year of high school. So, you know, he hasn't been playing quarterback that long. But, you know, so I think that part of this is some gamesmanship there. And you're seeing this in a lot of different rooms where they're having the veteran and the younger, potentially more talented guy kind of splitting the reps to avoid people transferring out. Because in the day where anybody can transfer at any point in time and go play anywhere else whenever they want, it adds another element to things that coaches have to consider that it may not be what we want it to see. You know, we want some clarity and they want to muddle things up to keep guys on campus. I mean, in my opinion, Thompson's only redeeming quality is that he's aggressive. I think beyond that, I, there's not that much to write home about with him. I, I think agree. if he gets that starting job, it tells you way more about Hudson Card than it does about Casey Thompson. If if Thompson's starting day day one, then Hudson Card is dead to me as as any sort of <laughs> asset across any league ever. He just is. He is. You cannot you cannot have the perfect scenario layout where you have a an offensive mind like Sark come in, and then he chooses Casey Thompson as his starting quarterback. So, no. If, if that happens, Card is going to be like. 45th in my rankings i he won't even be worth drafting really until late in my opinion uh yeah but that all is to say hudson card has dropped a couple spots uh casey thompson naturally has risen a couple spots just because i feel less confident now that hudson card is going to be the starter i still think he will be but i have to factor that into my rankings so casey thompson has risen a couple spots yeah, I think he um, he's risen slightly for me, but I'm just not a believer. You know, he can have a starting job all he wants. I, I'm not necessarily believing that he's going to do anything with that job. Um, so I get I have the LSU quarterback battle down here as one that I has has shifted my rankings a little bit. Um, because I thought it was Miles Brent Miles Brennan's job to lose. I think every all everybody was shocked when when they showed up for camp the first day and they're like, oh yeah, Max Johnson took the first snaps and Ed O says it's a equal competition between the two. Like that was a mind, that was a mind blower for me. Um, and it sounds like they're not that much closer to finding a job or yeah, finding a starter between the two of them. So it's almost like you know Brennan was up here and and you know and um, Johnson was down here and they're kind of closing the gap between each other. Like Brennan's moving down and Johnson's moving up to the point where like ten spots separate them for me. Um, and I'm not that comfortable taking either one if I'm not pretty sure I can get the other one. Cause I, I don't have a good feel on it. And I think anybody saying that they have a good feel on it is probably lying or just overconfident in their ability to read that situation. Cause I don't think they've really leaked anything. I've, I've tried to read everything that I can possibly find on it and just nothing definitive out there. No, like I said, I think that's another situation that's similar to what we were talking about there with Texas, where they want to keep it muddled as possible. So that way guys aren't transferring out because, you know, if, let's say Miles Brennan, um, you know, does end up winning that job and, you know, he had deferred to Miles Brennan early, you know, then maybe Max Johnson transfers out. Max Johnson says, hey, you know, I threw 
for over a thousand yards in six games last year. Uh, you know, I had eight touchdowns, one interception. You know, I led my team to a couple wins. I can go play somewhere else. You know, somebody else will want me, you know, and I can go start there and keep my career in an upward trajectory rather than kind of leveling off or even dipping here. You know, I think that they have to kind of keep these muddled up a little bit to keep guys on campus. So it, it's very frustrating for us, but it's, you know, I understand why they're doing it. And I do think that Max Johnson will ultimately win this job. But again, if they, you know, vice versa, if he went out and handed it to Max Johnson right away, you know, and didn't split things pretty evenly, then you're going to have Miles Brennan transfer out. You know, I, I haven't heard anybody float that theory before that, you know, coaches are, are purposefully muddying the waters to keep more guys on campus. If people find out you're doing that, though, you're effed as a coach, right? Probably. So I don't, th- I don't think that's it. Like, I, if, if they find out that Ed O knew all along that he wanted to start my Johnson or whatever, you know, and, and that it comes out that he strung Brennan along for months so he wouldn't transfer, you're going to lose so many guys. Like, that person can't be a head coach at that school anymore. That's over. I don't know if I go that far. I mean, I think that one is trust him. Who would we, trust him? It's very difficult to prove anything like that, though. You know, Ed O's never going to say that he did that. You know, I, I think I, it's very difficult to prove. All, you know, it, all it takes is say, you know, Ed O had talks with his quarterback coach prior to the year. He said, this is our plan. Johnson's going to be the guy, but we're going to kind of string it out as a competition. Quarterback coach gets fired. <laughs> What's to say he's not calling up Johnson and saying, hey, man, like I, I just got fired. I'm sorry, by the way. Or calling up Brennan and say, by the way, uh, Ed Ordron totally fucked you this offseason. Like, <laughs> I don't think it's as definitive as, as that either. I don't think it's like, oh, we know Matt Johnson's the guy, but we don't want him to leave. But I think it's, you know, throughout the course of the spring, if you see Max Johnson or Hudson Card or whoever is starting to separate themselves from the other guy, you know, if you start giving them that reps, you know, they, who's to say that they don't transfer? You know, if, if they're not liking what they're seeing. I, I think you're underselling the value of reps for the starter. In spring? Uh, anytime. Anytime. It, Brennan and Johnson have like what? I mean, they've each played like four games. Um, That's not very I, much. I'm not sure how many. Um, uh, Max Johnson played six. I'm not sure how many Brennan played before so, he got I mean, hurt. Yeah, regardless. Like they haven't played that. If it was a guy that had been there for like two years, then I, I would say reps in spring are worth less. But I mean, we talk all the time on the show about how much spring. We just talked about Kamaro Edmonds. Mm hmm. And how much reps mattered and how he wasn't there and, and he's you know, right. spring himself. So it's but see, they're both still getting reps with the ones. You know, and I think it's different with quarterbacks too. You can only have one quarterback starting. You know, if Kamaro you know, Kamaro Edmonds misses reps or, you know, um is he's running with the twos, you know, that's fine. Running backs, you know, they they can rotate guys in. You know, it's not as big of a deal. With quarterbacks, you only get one starter. And you don't want a situation where if you're a big school like an LSU, like a Texas or, or, you know, anybody like that, if you if you're at a big school like that who has championship aspirations 
you don't want one quarterback injury to completely derail your career or your season. Oh, yeah, so we're just going to agree to disagree on that. Uh, it's, that particular you know, I put my tinfoil hat on there for a second, you know. You did, you did. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we'll, so we'll move off of the quarterbacks here for a second. And uh, one of my other camp battles that's really been perplexing me here all offseason is the Clemson wide receivers. And let me just start off by saying, they're all basically the same guy. You got Justin Ross, 6'4", 205. High four-star guy, number seven recruit in his class. Joe Nada, 6'3", 220. High four-star guy, number nine in his class. Frank Ladson, 6'3", 205. High four-star guy, number seven in his class. EJ Williams, 6'3", 190. A little bit lighter than the others, but he's also the youngest out of the, that group. Um, high four-star guy, Number 13 in his class. That you got um a Joe Joe, uh 6'4, 220. Um, he was a three-star guy, but he was also coming from Canada and he was pretty raw. Um, but then you got Dakari Collins, six three and a half, two hundred pounds, four-star guy, number 32 in the class. And then you got Bo Collins, six two and a half, one ninety-five, high four-star guy, number twelve in his class. They're all the same guy. They're all within two inches and, you know, with the exception of Nada and Ajo they're all within 10 pounds of each other. You know, they're all big guys. They're all X guys. They're all playing the outside. I don't know who's winning that job. I mean, Justin Ross, they're reportedly going to move in the slot if he's healthy. So that separates him uh, a good bit from the other ones. But for Joe Nada, Frank Ladson, EJ Williams, Joe Ajo, Kari Collins, Bo Collins, I don't really know who's winning those jobs. I don't. I think Dakari Collins and Bo Collins, being the freshmen, are going to sit. You know, this year I don't think they're going to see a ton of snaps, but they reportedly got on camp. But both early enrollees, and they both reportedly quote lit a fire under the rest of the group. You know, so they looked pretty good. Um, you know, Joe Nada. You know, when he's healthy, he looks really good. He looks healthy now, um, and Ajoa Joe flashed in the spring game too. You know, he's starting to put pieces together with that athletic ability, you know, starting to turn it into maybe on-field translation here. EJ Williams, uh, you know, he lit up the second half of the year last year. Um, half his catches, two touchdowns over the final four games, including in, in that one playoff. So, you know, I, I don't really know what to do with these guys. They're all stocked down for me just because I don't know who is going to separate themselves there. And all of their ADPs are high enough that you're going to have to invest pretty significant draft capital in them. Now, Bo and Dakari Collins, not quite as much. Um, they are a little bit lower, but um, Joe Nada, ADP of 82. Um, and that is actually low because his February ADP was 109. He was 72 last month, 75 the month before that. Frank Ladson, uh, ADP of 124, which his April ADP is weighing that down. Um, April ADP of 153. Um, so that dropped. We'll see if that continues. You know, maybe with the other guys getting hyped up there, he, uh, you know, maybe he starts to fall a little bit. Um, Ajojo, uh, 196 ADP. But February, he was at 300. 
So that's coming way up. It was 137 last month. So these are all guys that you have to take in the 10th round or sooner. And like I said, I just I don't know who's going to win that job. So they're all stocked down for me. They have a guy that's 5'10", 165 coming in next year. There we go. Sign him up. I know what role he's playing. Give me him. Blew my mind when I saw that. Um, yeah, he's pretty good, too. I, I've, I've watched him. I have a grade on him. Um, good good player. Um, and I watched him strictly because I was like, whoa, a small guy going to <laughs> Um, cause really they haven't, you know, they, they just graduated Rogers who was there for four years. I can't really think of any of the small guys they've recruited in the past few years at the position. No, cause they had Hunter Hen or they had, um, Hunter Renfro for seven years. Yeah. Yeah. But it also feels like he's been gone for seven years <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> he's been around for forever. Um, yeah, they did. They just really haven't accrued the position. They, you know, they, they like their, their tall boys. Um, yeah. So more power to them. Um, the only I, I put the Utah QB battle down here, and this is a very brief one because I think I didn't value any of these guys that highly, to be honest, and I still, still don't value them that highly, but I at least think I know who I want of the trio now. Um, you know, Charlie Brewer coming in there um, from Baylor, Jaquindon Jackson coming in from Texas, uh, Costelli, the true freshman, four-star kid, and um, Cameron Rising, who was already... Uh, there had transferred in the previous year. So a lot, a lot of transferring going on. Um, Rising had the job last year, got injured, then lost it. Jake Bentley stepped in, looked like crap. He's gone now. He's gone to uh, Southern Alabama where he'll be hooking up with Jalen Tolbert this year. Um, so if Brewers got the job, it sounds like. And so as it goes, I don't care about any of the rest of the guys there, except for Costelli can be a late stash for me. Um but I no longer care about Quinn Jackson. I no longer really care about Cameron rising. And I think Charlie Brewer, you know, he went like 16 for 16 in the spring game. He, he went, he was perfect. I don't remember exactly what the stat line was, but they, they've just said he looked really, really good. He's grasped the offense very quickly. Um, and so I like Charlie Brewer now, you know, not, I don't love Charlie Brewer. You know, I didn't, not saying that, but you know, I'm in a, we're in that 20 team league. There's like no quarterbacks left. Actually, Brewers probably picked up two at this point, but like that—that's the kind of league where I'm like, I'm gonna need quarterback help at some point. I'll gladly stash Brewer and and see what he can do for a year. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there for the most part. Um, I'm pretty out on Jackson. Uh, pretty out on on Rising as well. Um, now the one thing I'll the only thing I'll push back on is Peter Castelli. Uh, I definitely think he's worth a stash because I, I, I th you said a late round stash. I'm investing in him earlier than that. Yeah. Um, you know, round 25 ish, 22, 25, somewhere in that range. Yeah. yeah I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm going to start pulling the trigger on Castelli. Well, I mean, that's about halfway through your draft. Yeah, but it's all, it's all, you know, nothingness after <laughs> 15 or whatever. That's uh, fair. Uh, but no, I, but Castelli, the point to so my point on Castelli is he was, you know, running number two in, you know, in spring. So he, he looked good, um, you know, and he's uh, number 10 dual threat guy. He's got a, a really nice arm. Um, you know, he, you know, I, I think, I think he's got a decent feel for the game as well. Um, he's not just running around out there. I, I like Peter Castelli and because Charlie Brewer is like a 50 year guy, you know, he's gone after this year. And I think that 
I feel pretty comfortable projecting Castelli to be that next man up there. Um, yeah, it's doubtful they're going to recruit over him. It's yeah, it's like Utah. Utah doesn't get those kinds of no. guys. Yeah, no. So I feel that's why I feel pretty good about investing in Castelli. Okay, okay. I see you. I see you. Um, <laughs> last last grouping here for the night, and then um, we will bid each other adieu. French twice here tonight. It's, uh, you know, bold, bold, bold choice on my part here. Um, so we put at current ADP, the following players are our favorite buys. And um, I'll just kick this right over to you, Colin. Uh, yeah, my my first buy here is we touched on the situation a little bit earlier in, in the last show. Um, but my first buy is Ty Chandler running back for UNC. Um, was it Tennessee? Transfers into UNC this year um, after you see, well, both he and Eric Gray leave Tennessee. But um, at uh, you know UNC, they just left uh, a ton of production in Michael Carter uh, Jr. And I almost said Michael Carter Williams, <laughs> um, Michael Carter Jr. and uh, Javante Williams. You saw both of those guys get drafted. Both of those guys put up a ton of production in college. I don't necessarily think that Ty Chandler is going to put up that much production. I think that running game can only take a step back. I don't see how it's, it can't possibly be more productive than it was last year. Um, so, you know, I think temper the expectations for Ty Chandler a little bit, but he was operating as the number one fairly clear cut guy this spring. Um, you know, and he's also a guy who was a had a good pedigree in his own right. You know, he's the number five running back in that class. He reportedly ran a four five forty, so he's got some speed there as well. Um, you know, he's now listed at six foot two ten, so he's got requisite size there as well. I think that he's going to go to UNC. I think he's going to have a very productive year this year. Um, you know, he's he's going to be. Definitely fantasy relevant, definitely a starter, probably a fantasy RB2 on the college side, I would think. Uh, and then I think he can parlay that into day two draft cap, late day two, early day three draft capital at the NFL level. Um, you know, so I think he has an NFL future at least. And he's going in the month of April, his ADP was 279. And his average ADP is 216. So he's going late, um, you know, in a 12 team league 279. that's after round 20. That's pretty late, you know, 216 even that's, I'm not really great with math, but that's probably like around 18 or so. I'm, I'm all in on that, all in on that. I took him, um, you know, in, in that program startup and I will continue to take him at that ADP. I will take him ahead of that ADP every single day. And twice on Sunday, uh, I took Ty Chandler in the 16th round at 184. And I love that value. I'll be honest. I just don't think he's a mega producer. And I don't think he's a quality NFL draft pick. So I don't want Ty Chandler at all, actually. Uh, so, I like on the opposite side of everything. Interesting. Why, why do you say you don't think he's going to be not a mega producer, but why do you think he's not going to produce? The... I don't think that he's going to. I don't think he's a bell cow guy there. They're going to rotate three or four backs. I think they'll rotate some, but I think he's going to be that lead back there. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't see it because I, I don't think he's as talented as the guys that were there last year. Oh, no, absolutely like, not. Like, I think the talent gap there is pretty close between him and, and Caleb Hood and, and some of these other guys. I, I just really, I think, like, at best, he averages, like, 15 points a game. And I think that's, like, higher. I think he's going to be, like, in the 13 or 14 range. And that's not something, if I don't think he's an NFL guy, that is not super attractive to me. Fair enough. Uh, well, that'll be a place that we'll agree to disagree there because I think I think he's a pretty good fit um, in that offense. I think that he's going to have a pretty nice year there, at least going to put up high-end college production. And I'm not sold on him at the NFL level. I'll, I'll agree with you there. Um, you know, I'll, I'm, I'll definitely take this year of him getting a lot of production to assess that. Um, but I mean, he was talented enough to split carries with Eric Gray before. So, you know, I think the, I think he's going to get drafted and I think he's going to retain value. So I think even if I'll end up thinking, oh, you know what? I don't necessarily see it with him. I don't think I'll have any trouble trading him at any point. Interesting. Okay. Um, I put Cole Turner down as my top one tight end from Nevada. Uh, ADP in April was 158 and he's 169 overall. Um, and he's going after a bunch of tight ends. Um, that to be honest, I don't think he has any, any business going after. I don't think the NFL likes is going to like Julio Billingsley. The more and more I think about this, the more I think that, that Julio Billingsley is nothing in the NFL. I don't even think he goes day one or day two. He's too small. He's a he's a fucking stick. He's like six four, and they listed him at like two thirty, and he's not two thirty. To be honest, I kind of doubt he's two twenty. Like I really, really do. If you look at that guy, and then you look at like Kyle Pitts, or you look at like a bigger receiver, like look at look at the Clemson guys, or look at Troy O'Meary, or you know somebody like that. I don't like he, he's not as big as those guys. He just flat out isn't. No. Um. So. Uh, a guy like that, you know, I, I actually do like Theo Johnson, you know, his potential. He's been crushing it, but, but we haven't seen him do anything on a, on, on a football field yet. Cool. Turner converted wide receiver. Colin's favorite. His ears just perked up as soon as I said that, um, you know, weighs the like weighs two forty, moves, moves great for the position and is probably, if not the number one tight end this year in college football, top three uh, in terms of production. And you can get him so much later than all these other guys. Um, I, I, he's a steal. He's really, really a steal. I found myself, if I don't get Michael, because the thing is, Michael Mayer was going in like the fourth a month or two ago, and now he's going in the second. So I don't even like, I used to just kind of sit there and be like, well, if Mayer falls me in the fourth, that's my tight end. I don't even, I don't even do that anymore. I just sit there and wait for Cole Turner in the 13th, and I scoop him. And that's great value. Yeah, I, I like Cole Turner a lot as well. Like you said, I, I am on board with wide receivers converted to tight ends. Um, but he Cole Turner also does have the requisite size there that I think he will be able to play tight end at the at the next level. Um, you know, he's listed 6'6, 240. It's a good size. I think he could probably even put on like another 5, 10 pounds, but I don't necessarily think he even needs to. You know, that's already pretty good size there. Um, you know, he can likely be more of a move guy, likely be more of a receiver, but he can block a little bit there as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm all aboard Cole Turner as well. I think he's, um, definitely one of my favorite tight ends. I do have a tendency to just 
completely punt tight ends until late, late. Like I have not taken a tight end in this draft and we're in round 21 and I don't plan on taking one anytime soon. There's just too many other guys that I want and tight ends are just such a crapshoot. So I'm team tight end doesn't matter. But if I was going to take one, Cole Turner's up there. Um, what about uh, your favorite Florida State running back here? Um, yeah, so another guy that I'm a big fan of here is um, Jashawn Corbin. Um, transferred from Texas A&M to uh, Florida State. Um, he started to kind of come on at the end of the year last year a little bit. Um, you know, he, he started a little bit slow. But it was also Mike Norvell's first year with that system. The offensive line, pretty, pretty poor. Um, you know, th- that's been an issue there for them for a little while. So it, it takes a little bit of time to kind of overcome that. But he did kind of come on there, like I said, at the end of the year. Um, he's also got NFL caliber size, six foot to 20. Um, you know, he was a high level guy coming out is the number eight all purpose back in his, in the class, but he was a four star guy uh, before committing to Texas A&M. And it's all reports have him, you know, being the lead guy this spring, you know, the depth, the projected depth chart that I saw had him listed on the one line and then had um, Toa Feely, DJ Williams and the walk on guys escaping me right now um, all listed on the second line. So that to me says that he is going to be the guy there. Now, Mike Norvell's offenses, they always split carries. Um, you know, they had um, Darrell Henderson, Tony Pollard splitting carries, you know, Kenny Gainwell splitting carries. Antonio Gibson didn't even really get that many carries. But the four guys that I'm listing there are all NFL caliber running backs, they're all guys who got drafted decently high and i think corbin can absolutely be in that realm as well corbin's also the biggest out of all those guys too now not that that necessarily means anything but i think corbin's a a, the size speed type of a guy who can handle his own in a backfield and be a bell cow guy so while i don't think that's exactly what he'll be at florida state i think there's a good shot that he could do that at the next level potentially is he bigger than gibson uh, I don't. He's not taller than Gibson. Um, Sean Corbin's two twenty. I don't know how much Gibson. Uh, then, yeah, is. they're pretty close then, because Gibson was like two fifteen or something, two twenty coming out. Yeah, he's not the level of absent yeah. athlete that that Gibson is. Um, Gibson is listed as six two two twenty. So okay. comparable. Yeah, pretty comparable there. Yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm all aboard to Sean Corbin. Um, his, his ADP, uh, was 167 in April was 150 uh, overall. Um, so you have to spend a little bit more than, than Ty Chandler on him, but you know, I, I still like him a lot. I like Corbin too. Um, so I, I, I agree with you there. I, I, I won't push back on that one at all with you. Um, my, uh, the next one I put here was Arian Smith, wide receiver for Georgia, uh, ADP 199. 191 in April and 191 overall. He's held a very consistent over the last couple of months. And for a guy like, after Pickens, that wide receiver room is, we think we kind of know that Jermaine Burton's probably stepping into the alpha role there. And we're pretty sure that Kiaris Jack Jackson is going to start in the slot. But the rest of how that shakes out is a total mystery. 
And Arian Smith gives them something that they don't have at all on the rest of that roster. I mean, I guess if you if you include Demetrius Robertson, um, but I just wish he would just leave school <laughs> and become a you know a monk or a you know live in a shack in the woods. Um, but but Smith is just he's fast. He's really really fast. He runs like a ten four hundred or whatever. Um, he's just very very speedy. He's he's a field stretcher. And JT Daniels can push the ball down the field. You know, they, the Georgia really hasn't had a guy that can do that over the past several years. Uh, JT Daniels can. And I think that the coaching staff there understands that. Now, whether Smith can stay healthy or not, he was dinged up a little bit last year, wrist and ankle or wrist and shoulder, wrist and something, um, and, and then was banged up a little bit here this offseason. So, you know, health is a concern, but he just he adds a whole nother dimension to that offense. And he goes later than all of the other guys that you think of as competing for outside targets. At least, you know, I'm not counting like Justin Robinson and stuff in, in that in that counter, even, you know, Jackson Meeks or some of those guys. But he goes later than Rosemi, who I, I actually love Rosemi. I was shocked at his 80 because I was going to choose him. His ADP is better than I thought it was. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he goes later than Rosemi by like 70 picks. He goes later than um, I think he's going he, he's going right around. Adonai Mitchell's not going that much later than him because of no. the, the spring game hype. So um, I, I just think he's a, a really good value there uh, away into a a what looks to be a high powered Georgia offense this year. Yeah, no, I, I like the Arian Smith call there as well. Um like you said, Adonai Mitchell after that spring game, he's rising up the board. I have a feeling he's going to kind of fall back down because you know because they didn't really have everybody there, all the wide receivers in the spring game. Um, you know, so it was a pretty thin depth chart. Now he showed out and he showed out very well, uh, which is always something you like to see potentially for the future, especially because they're going to clear out a lot of the junk at the bottom of the roster after this year. I think uh, the guys that you mentioned, um, Blaylock, Robertson. Um, Robin Robinson as well. I was I was trying to come up with the name there. Um, yeah, so I, I think that they're going to clear out a lot of those. So I do like Adonai Mitchell going forward, but his ADP right now is it's tough to swallow. Whereas I think, like you mentioned, Arian Smith brings a different dimension to that offense. I see him having a role pretty clearly defined, and I like that ADP as well. So I like that call. Um, I'll jump into my last guy here. Uh, and that is Jordan Whittington, uh, wide receiver for Texas. Uh, he's an ADP of 170 here in April, uh, ADP 167 overall. Um, and, and I like that spot, especially because, you know, everything that you're hearing out of spring has had him as one of the impact guys, one of the guys who has consistently, you know, picked up the playbook. He's consistently looked good. Um, you know, and he's also very versatile. So I think he provides something that, I, I mean, Jake Smith kind of has a little bit of versatility there as well. Um, but Jake Smith was banged up. He broke his foot. So that's allowed Whittington to really step up. Now, Whittington also has his issues staying healthy as well. Um, he's only had, he's only played six games, uh, in his two years there at, uh, at Texas. Um, but high ceiling guy, um, he was the, Two, number two athlete in his class. He was a five-star guy. Uh, he's listed as 6'1", 206. So he's got really good size there as well. And we want wide receivers in Sark's offense. 
you know, I'm not saying these guys are going to be the Bama wide receivers from the past couple of years. You know, I, I think that's a pipe dream to hope that they're, that he's that good, but Troy O'Mary has a pretty defined role on the outside as, you know, really is the only true outside threat, big body guy, but sounding like Whittington is really separating himself out of the rest of the pack. And, you know, his ADP is, is behind O'Meary's, uh, you know, O'Meary's ADP is on the rise. It's 162 in February, 143 in March, 138. So it's steadily climbing here as the drum beat starts to bang for him. And Jordan Whittington's kind of getting left behind. So I'm I'm a big fan of, of snagging Whittington and his ADP. It's amazing. I don't think we've seen a, a situation more so this offseason where one guy was so highly rated last year and the other wasn't, and now they've totally flipped spots. Like, nobody wants Jake Smith anymore. Nope. It's, inc- it's, it's actually incredible how, no- how much nobody wants Jake Smith anymore. Um, I think I'm in this 31 teamer or you know, this third, this one that's in the 31st round. And I don't think Jake Smith is gone yet. No, Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Now, I, I, I think it's, it's approaching the time where I just have to take him. Yeah. Um, High ceiling. You know, I, I also have Whittington. So, I mean, uh, I, I cuff, I'm cuffing my, my Texas slot, uh, you know, hedge your so, bets. Yes. Um, but that, that, the, those two passing like trains in the night here. But their their has just been <laughs> honestly incredible. One of the, I would ne- yeah, I anyone that said they would have predicted this was was totally lying last offseason because Smith looked like he had that job down. Wellington was dust, and you know an injury here in the preseason. And Sark, his first time here, falls in love with a guy. And I, I'm sorry, Jake Smith, but former Gatorade National Player of the Year, as we discovered. <laughs> no, we, I, I I didn't know that, but um, so I. I I love Whittington. I was we were talking before the show. I get him, Jalen McMillan, and Jaden Wally. I get that trifecta in like every single league because they're all just crazy values. Um, so and I I'm very happy about it. Yeah, I like all three of those guys as well. I actually have two of them in the in the league that I was just talking about. I have Whittington and Wally. Oddly enough, McMillan, my favorite out of all of them, I miss. But that's hashtag, what happens when you get cute. Yeah, hashtag on brand. Yeah, don't see you guys here. You know, that's a big thing. Don't don't wait on on a guy. If he's your guy, go get him. You know, I made the mistake of waiting. What an idiot. Because I looked at ADP and I thought he was gonna fall. So I thought I could outsmart the draft. The draft always outsmarts you. Well, everyone knew that you were there and they're like, Well, if I don't take him now, he's not making it to the next pick. So. Honestly, that's entirely possible. Yes. Yeah. Just gotta stop hyping him. Um, so I chose, I have, I have two guys here to close this out. I guess the first one is Elijah Badger, who we've talked about a lot on the show. Um, you know, I still like LV Bunkley Shelton a little bit more than him, but there is zero reason for the huge gap to be there between Badger and Shelton. Um, Badger's ADP right now, it was 210 in April. Um, and it's 239 overall. And he has stayed pretty consistent. Um, between the months, you know, he's he's going in that range um, most of the time. But Bunkley Shelton has an ADP of 153. So 60 picks earlier, I think they're a little closer in skill level than that. And I mean, I think both should be going earlier. I think they're both going too late for what I think they're probably going to do this year. Um, 
But I've actually gotten to the point where, you know, I love LB Bunkley Shelton, but I'm almost okay just punting him and taking Badger like three rounds later. Because I, I, I do really like them both. I know you're you're more of the Badger guy of the two. Um, yeah, um, ironically enough, yes, I am more of the Badger guy, but I and I have Badger in, in one league too, so it's not like I don't have any shares of him here. But I do have LB I did take LB Bunkley Shelton in the draft that I've been mentioning here, but he was available in the twelfth round, which you don't really see all that often. You know, if he, I feel like he typically goes a little bit earlier than that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other guy I put down here at the end is Braylon Sanders, wide receiver. Now I'm just going to cut you off there. Please stop talking about him. Stop I'm in talking the middle about him. Yeah, to... I'm in the middle of a draft. Please. Well, this won't, uh, this won't air for a day or two, so it'll make it back to you. Uh, maybe we push that off a couple days. So, sorry to force your hand, Colin. Um, He's he's six foot one ninety. He's he's a fourth year guy. I don't know that there's NFL potential there, to be completely honest. But when people talk about guys that have the potential to lead all wide receivers in college this year and in, in, in fantasy points, or at least on a per game basis, I think Sanders has to be more in the discussion than we're giving him credit for. And actually, to be honest, I think. All things being equal, Jalen Tolbert is probably going to be the wide receiver one this year. I don't think that's that big of a stretch. He there's not that many other targets there, and apparently Bentley loves him. He threw him three touchdowns in the spring game. Like I, 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 I think he's going to lead all the wide receivers this year and and points on a per game basis. But Sanders in a, a Mike Leach offense, we saw what um, Elijah Lane Moore did last year. Oh, Lane Kibben. I said Mike Leach. Yeah, Lane Kibben. Thank you. We saw what Elijah Moore did last year. Now, granted, I don't think Sanders is Elijah Moore, but I mean, that's a highly, highly productive guy in a highly, highly productive offense that's going to pass the ball a lot. And Sanders has no ADP. Nobody's taking him in our drafts. He just went like in the 28th round or something in the one I'm in now. Like that's that's very, very late for a guy that that has every chance. Uh, to be a top five, top three, top one wide receiver in all of college this year. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, emphasized by me trying to cut you off in the middle of that. Yeah, 100% in agreement there. Um, I like Braylon Sanders as well. I think he's going to have a big enough year this year that he's going to get drafted. So, you know, I don't necessarily know how productive I see him being at the next level, but I think he'll get drafted. And I think he'll have a big year and you'll hear people try to hype him up as a sleeper, you know, cause they just saw AJ Brown. They just saw DK Metcalf. They just saw Elijah Moore all coming from Ole Miss. They're going to see that they're going to see the name. So you're going to see people start to hype him up next year, I think. So even if you don't think he can be an NFL prospect, um, you know, kind of going back to Ty Chandler, I think he's going to be productive enough that going to get drafted. And I think you're going to have an opportunity to sell him if you want. I'm pretty sure if he does, if he has a pretty solid year there, he's going to be at the senior bowl. Also a good point. And that's like, you know, a guarantee or, you know, 71% or something of guys that go to the senior bowl get drafted. I, I haven't looked and see if there's like a positional breakdown, you know, wide receivers do better than, you know, whatever. Racy McMath got drafted. So, but you now have a three and four shot of getting drafted if you go to the senior bowl, basically. I, so those are, those are pretty solid odds um, for a guy that, you know, hasn't done that much yeah. in his college career up to this point, but but we expect him to do it this year. Cool. Well, that's going to do it for the mega show here, guys. Um, 
Am I staticky? No, no, no. I gave you thumbs up. Oh, I thought you pointed. I thought you no, pointed. no, no. I'm sorry. Thumbs up. Okay. Let's pause a second here so I can figure out where this is going. <laughs> You're going to have a lot of editing to do with this one. Yeah, that's okay. This may not come out till Saturday. Uh, so that, that's going to be all for today for the, the jumbo, the mega show here, uh, guys. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. I know we're splitting into two here, so you know you're not listening to this all at once. Um, but I think that that is it. Um, again, just continue. Thank you guys for for listening to us. Continue to listen. Um, give Why Wait Till Sunday a download. He uh, uh, Alfred has Pete Overzay on this week. Um, yeah, really cool, really cool guest. Um, I don't know if it was like a like I don't know how serious he was in the interview or whatever. I should have asked Alfred because I know like eighty percent of the time the guy's doing a bit of some yeah. sort. But, but, you know, big time guests talking some DFS and, and other stuff like that. Um, so give that a check, uh, check that out. And then Debbie debate as well. Um, check out everything over at the website articles, the, you know, the ADP and the, uh, the player data tool are, are both behind a paywall now. Um, so check that out. We have new rankings releasing next week. Every, every ranking will be updated around the first of the month here. Um, so lots going on over there as usual. Um, but that is all for tonight. So until next time, I am Austin and this is Colin and have a good one guys.